so I think everybody should read this book. <laughs> this book is potentially life-changing. Welcome to Once Upon a Line, the podcast about beautiful words and the lasting impact they have on us. I'm Rosie Fernandez. My guest today so firmly believes that everyone should read the novel Slow Man by J.M. Kutsi, she put it on her school curriculum. Here is Jen Weinheimer, and she's the head of upper school at Cincinnati Country Day School. Okay, Jen, so here is the moment of truth. (laughs) Um, Could you please read for us the passage that touched your heart? Live like a hero. That is what the classics teach us. Be a main character. Otherwise, what is life for? Wow. That is intriguing and unexpected. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about the book, where it comes from, and and who's saying this? Sure. So this is from J.M. Kutsia's novel, uh, Slow Man. The main character, the protagonist, is past middle age, who has a terrible bicycling accident. And as he's recovering, he's sort of going through this crisis of realizing that his life maybe at this stage of his life is not where he imagined he might be. And that he's really struggling with quite a bit of this. And he ends up with this caretaker woman who comes to take care of him and he convinces himself he's in love with her. And as he's kind of going through this crisis, this character, Elizabeth Costello, appears seemingly out of nowhere. And she seems to know all about his life. And she's sort of a fantastical character in the way that that she appears in the novel. And it becomes clear that she is not a figment of his imagination, but that Kutsia has created this character in a way to almost have him kind of wrestle with this internal struggle externally. And so he kind of debates these pieces of his life with her out loud, and she is constantly pushing him to decide what he's going to do next. And um, Paul, the character, is also struggling. And so finally, we have Elizabeth Costello confronting him. And this is sort of, you know, at the denouement of the novel, kind of saying, you know, do something already. Like, decide who you're going to be. And um, if you're just going to be passive and allow life to bounce you around like this, then you're going to have no one to blame but yourself. And you've been sitting in this state for such a long time that it's kind of remarkable that you've allowed it to go this far. And so she's losing patience with him and she's sort of pushing him. And it's just sort of this shocking moment where he doesn't really have much of a response. I just think it's amazing. And what do you think it was about this particular passage that that really moved you, that really affected you? I think that all people can relate to this idea of sort of having goals and imaginings about what your life might be like 10 years down the line will I be partnered or will I not be partnered? And all of these kinds of questions. And I teach teenagers. And so they are actively sort of negotiating their identities throughout the entire time I work with them. And so I think anytime you can kind of acknowledge that part of their existence in the classroom, it tends to lend itself well to engagement. But I also related to it personally, this idea of trying to figure out who you are and that it's not going to just happen for you, that you have to make decisions and you have to sometimes take great risks or sometimes small risks um, in order to assert who you are and what you value and who you will become. And this just kind of shakes you out of this, you know, I tend to read sort of as an escape and it shakes you out of the escape to just say, hey, are you paying attention? Like you might be reading this for an escape, but pay attention. This is about, this is how life works. And if you want 
to accomplish something, you're going to have to make decisions and, and make some bold moves. So I think everybody should read this book. <laughs> I think I think that this book is potentially life-changing. I think it's amazing and other people should read it. When did you first read the novel? I think it was probably about, I want to say like 13 years ago or something like this. And um, I read it on my own over a summer vacation from teaching. And immediately at seeing this passage, I thought, oh my goodness, this is the kind of novel that I want to teach in, in school because it it allows for that sort of meta level of conversation about like author intent and what the purpose is. and um, But it does so in a way that's so obvious on the page that um, you can talk about the character of Paul, but you can also talk about author intent in this way where they're kind of these layered conversations. Um, and so I did then start teaching it maybe 18 months later or something like that. What happened when you took the book, The Slow Man, and presented it to the classroom. And in particular, what happened with this passage? This passage is um, very much towards the end of the novel. And at that point, students have, I often find that in teaching this novel, that students experience sort of a crisis when they encounter Elizabeth Costello for the first time. She um, appears kind of out of nowhere and seems to have all of this intimate knowledge of who Paul is and what he's struggling with and all of these other issues. And so um, they've usually kind of come through that reckoning of who she is and what she's doing there. Um, but there are certainly students who will tell me, you know, years later that this book really shaped them or it led them in a new direction in terms of their own reading outside of classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, let's play imagine. Let's imagine that you could be a main character in any book. What kind of a main character would you want to be? Well, I think it's hard not to want to be the villain. Um <laughs> You know, hopefully a somewhat comedic one, not one who's sort of sociopathic. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I've i led my life, and maybe this is a little bit why this book appeals to me and this passage appeals to me so much, pretty safely, I think. You know, I follow the rules and I want to please other people. And, you know, I was the kind of student who did what I was told. And then I, you know, followed through university and sort of did what I was told and always wanted other people's approval, not not to the exclusion of my own happiness, certainly, but I liked it when I made decisions that made other people happy as well. And, and they were pretty conventional choices in a lot of ways. Um, and I think it would be great fun to be the character who really steps well outside the bounds and kind of shakes things up and takes more risks and has maybe some more interesting stories to tell about their life. Um, you know, I love it when you go, you meet someone who seems to be living a very conventional life and they tell you about some sort of sordid episodes that happened in their early 20s or something like this. <laughs> um, I don't really have those stories to tell. And I'm not sad about that because, I, but I also, um, you know, I think it would sort of put a little flavor on things that sometimes feels a little bland. So Jen, tell me about how you first developed a love for reading. So I was a really to hear my parents tell it, I was a very early reader. Um, I remember really loving reading, quite frankly, at the very beginning, because I was one of only a couple of kids who could do it, who could read in my like kindergarten class. Um, and you know, this was 40 years ago. So, um, and I remember getting pulled out with like two other students in my class and we got to go to the special room and read with the reading teacher because we were the only ones who knew how to read and, um, or to read fluently, I guess. And so I really enjoyed that. And I was one of these kids who, you know, read all of the Ramona Quimby books and all of that sort of thing through, you know, kindergarten, first, second grade. Um, and I think in, in middle school and high school, I kind of fell away from it for a while and only really read what was assigned in school and was told by others that I was more of a math and science student. And 
I don't remember doing a whole heck of a lot of independent reading just on my own. I was attending a boarding school at the time and we had a lot of classroom work that was assigned. So you were in a boarding school and there's no episodes that you can talk. <laughs> I was <laughs> That seems like a perfect setting. <laughs> I like to say that I was fray adjacent a lot of the time where there was like some scandalous activity going on and it was my friends and I remember <laughs> taking great pleasure and sort of giggling and cackling at it, but I was often not in the center of it. Yeah, I was I was aware of it. I certainly wasn't the kid telling on them or getting them in trouble. But um, yeah, but I was, I wish I had been a little bit closer to the action, but I wasn't. Yeah, sorry, I didn't um, mean to interrupt. It, no, just like that's I thought, okay. <laughs> no, it's a very fair question. But then in college, um, I took a comparative literature class, I think to, to complete a requirement, quite honestly, as like a freshman and um, just absolutely fell in love with what we were doing and ended up majoring in it. And this was something that I didn't know comparative literature was something one could major in when I left for college. And just loved it and just started reading anything I could get my hands on. And ever since then, it's sort of been my self-care is reading things that have nothing to do with work. And um, I tend to read quite a lot this year, this school year, not as much just because um, things have been really challenging in trying to manage some of the day-to-day crisis elements of dealing with a pandemic. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I just love it. I have a, a number of friends who are like-minded readers. And so we share book recommendations and book clubs and things like this. That's, that's beautiful. That's great. Getting recommendations from friends is so honestly, one of the key ways that I, I learn about new things. Um, you mentioned self-care. I'm wondering what you've been reading since this pandemic has happened uh, for your own self-care. Is there anything that you've turned to? So last spring, a friend of mine recommended Pachinko, which I know is everybody's reading or has read it. Um, But I just thought that was one of the best books I'd read in the last 10 years. And then I've been reading like all different kinds of things. And I've gone back and reread a couple of things that have always been favorites. So Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston is a book I've taught. I love that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've taught it many times. I've read it many times on my own, but it's just such an incredible um feet what she's done what what is your and and I don't mean necessarily mean uh, academically speaking but just you personally what kind of criteria do you have for yourself when you're choosing books that you want to share in the classroom do you need to have a personal connection to the books you choose or how, how does that work um wow that's a really interesting question I think that um really rich language is something that appeals to me as an individual reader and is something that I try and share and create a love for in my students as well. And it's because I'm trying always to think about developing their ability, not just to read for plot, but to read for, um, you know, tone and mood and these sort of more challenging pieces to grasp onto. And I think as a reader, I want to be able to grasp those as a reader because I want to be able to teach my students how to do that as well. So that's definitely part of it. Um, Ideally, you want to, or I want to make sure that they leave the book a little bit more aware of the world around them than they came into it. You know, I have to teach, depending on the different positions that I've held, um, I'm often given books and said, this is what you will teach. And I find my way through those just fine. But um, it's always really exciting to sort of be given free reign and say, you know, you could teach anything you want. What do you want to teach? Thank you very much, Jen. It's been a great pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much, Rosie. This is a lot of fun. 
That was Jen Weinheimer, head of upper school at Cincinnati Country Day School. What about you? Have you read anything that you think everyone else should also read? Tell me on Instagram or Facebook at Once Upon a Line Podcast. Special thanks to my team, Michelle Lung and Natalie Curtis. I'm Rosie Fernandez. Until next time, happy reading.